ברוכים הבאים בשם השם, ורחנוכים בבית השם. This week's Pasha, Pasha Vayeshev. It's not that hard. Pasha Vayeshev, Vayeshev Yaakov. Bikish Yaakov, the Shevet's Meshalva. Excuse me, Yaakov wanted to settle in peace. Of course, as we know, not just dedicate again, the Nishmas, Eliza Shlamis. The week this year is dedicated to Lila Nishmasa. It should be a good to better for her whole family. Pashva Yeshev. And we have another added bonus, of course. The added bonus this week being Chav Kislev, Erla Chafalev. But this is the week of Yates and Chav Kislev. Next week, it's from Sunday evening, begins Hanukkah. So, Sunday evening means... Usually we light Veneda according each one according to their own minig, of course. Hanukkah Veneda could be lit from Plaga Mincha on, which is three thirty. <coughs> I'm sorry. From three thirty, if a person needs to go somewhere, needs to light Veneda earlier, he could light it from three thirty on. But it would need to burn until five thirteen. So you need to add a sufficient amount of oil or have very, very large candles if you're going to light that early. Of course, the halachas of Hanukkah are many, of course. And um, hopefully, Mehat Shem will be able to get into some of the halachas for the year. Yiteski slave, Chag Hagula, Yalt Rebbe, first Chabad Rebbe, was placed in prison. Now, the first question that comes to mind is why did the Rebbe allow himself to be imprisoned? The Rebbe, being a Rebbe, with a tremendous keiches, kedusha, holiness, spirituality, could have caused whatever miracles needed to happen, and his enemies should disappear, or their minds should be changed, or whatever it might be, and then he would not have to face imprisonment. But yet, we see that the Rebbe accepted this decree. The Rebbe allowed himself to be imprisoned. Imprisoned for quite a lengthy time, as a matter of fact. 53 days. 
in which he wrote the 53 parakim of Tanya. Many, many stories are told about the imprisonment, about the freedom. The two most famous stories, of course, is when the Rebbe was arrested in the put in the black wagon, which the message of the black wagon was this prisoner was not coming home. The Rebbe was put in the black wagon, and it was Friday. They were traveling on Friday, and the Alter the Alter Rebbe said. I don't travel after Chatzai's Friday. So he said, they said it's too bad. We're not allowing anything. We're not stopping. The Altareb insisted they stop and they refused. And the wagon, the wheel of the wagon broke. The wheel of the wagon broke. And And they, he said, let's get a pair of glasses in the car. <laughs> and they stopped and they insisted on fixing it. They're going to go further. And as they tried to go further after fixing the wagon, the horse died. At which point they realized that the Altareb is not is someone to be reckoned with. And they had to fulfill his request. And they pulled over on the side of the road. They spent Shabbos there. The Altarebbe davened and spent his Shabbos not exactly in the world of comfort, but he would not travel on Shabbos. And it is told that that tree that the Altarebbe stood by, that was by under that tree for that, that Shabbos, till today, is a very, very beautiful tree. That was one famous story that everybody always tells over. Last night I had Baruch Hashem, a whole bunch of my little grandchildren here. The oldest, which is five. And as I talked to them and told them these stories, they were able to chime in. They all heard these stories in yeshiva and the playgroups, wherever they go to. Actually, the boys are all in yeshiva already. And the other story they also knew, but they were vaguely, it's very harder for them to understand. The mitzvah of Kiddush Lavana, of sanctifying the moon on the new, on the, of, upon the new moon, every month, we know the Lavana dissipates. Until the end of the month, we don't see a Lavana at all, we don't see a moon at all. And then as the mon- month progresses from the beginning, from Rishchidosh, Rishchidosh is called the Moilid. And as the Moilid, the moon is born, and the moon begins to grow until the 15th of the Hebrew day of the Hebrew month, it is a full moon, and then thereafter it becomes less again. Between, according to Minah Chabad, between the 7th and the 15th day, are the days that are acceptable for Kiddush Tavana. They were taking the Alter Rebbe from his cell 
to be questioned, they have to go across a river. As the boatman was steering the boat, the Al-Tarebbe said he wants to be Kaddish Levana, please stop the boat. Of course, the boatman was not ready to cooperate and to accommodate this prisoner, who to him was a common prisoner. And yet, the boat stopped. The boat stopped and do what he wanted. The boatman could not make the boat move further. And he started getting very scared. He realized he was not playing with fire. He was playing with fire. He wasn't exactly the average person here. And so, he, he started to beg, let the boat go. Now, Tereb said, let it go, on condition you stop it for me, so I can do Kiddush Devana. And again, the boatman complied, cooperated with the Al-Tarebbe, and did what was asked. So again, the question begs to ask, why did the Al-Tarebbe need to ask to stop on Friday, to stop for Kiddush Devana, if the Al-Tarebbe had and showed openly had the kayak and the power to do so on his own. When the Al-Tarebbe began to publish Chassidus, to write Memorim, to write Tanya, there were many people that were adamantly against what the Al-Tarebbe was doing. They didn't feel the world was ready, the world was fit for Chassidus. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Al-Tarebbe understood differently. And therefore, the Al-Tarebbe continued doing what he was doing. One such issue came about when a maim of the Al-Tarebbe's was found in the garbage. When a maim of the Al-Tarebbe's was found in the garbage, this is not acceptable. And the person came and was causing a practically a revolution. This is what words of Taylor, this is where they end up, this is where they evolve to. Long story. You can clear it all up. And when the Atrebu was asked, the Atrebu gave the famous marshal of the child, Ben Yachid of the king, the only child, the only son, the prince, was very, very ill. He was very ill and he needed something, but every doctor they brought nobody could find a solution they got to a point where the child was so dehydrated his lips were practically sealed closed and they were all but ready to give up and to despair finally one Jewish doctor was brought in 
but one doctor that nobody favored, it's only a Moshe, it doesn't have to be a Jewish doctor, one doctor that nobody was very fond of, and he said, there's only one way you can save this child, and that's by grinding a certain stone. Two dimes. Yes, obviously, we made them. Grinding two stones, grinding one particular stone, and by grinding that stone, and we put mix it with a certain potion, maybe, maybe, child would be revived. And they said, where do we find this stone? It's a precious stone. And they inquired, they found out the only stone of the sort was the center stone of the king's crown. Center stone, of course, means the stone that brought the entire beauty, that the the whole crown was built around it. And it would destroy the value of the crown. So the advisors immediately said to the king, Your Majesty, the entire kingdom will become a mockery. The king will never be able to come before the nation because he no longer has a crown if he uses this stone. The king said, What is the nation? What is the kingship, what's it all worth to me if heaven forbid I don't have a son so but your majesty the child's lips are practically sealed who knows if even anything will go into his mouth and the king said it doesn't matter even if it's a chance that a drop will sleep in that a drop will stay on his lips that something will happen from it for my child, it's worth it. And this, the Altarebbe used as a parable to explain. Chassidus needs to be disseminated, needs to spread, needs to be given, needs to be taught and studied everywhere. Even if we don't understand and we don't see how the Chassidus is affecting the person, but the Chassidus needs to be studied. We start now, again, the cycle of Chitas, the study of Tanya Kadisha. The Tanya written by the Alter Rebbe. The Tanya has in it several sections. It has the Kutei Amorim, the first 53 Parakim, Shara Yichid Ve'emuna, referring to the world of Chinuch. You get us a Kedish, you get us a Tshuva, and Kuntur Sachem. Today's Ayyemim tells us how, when each one came into print, and when they all merged together. 
and it became a safer as its own entity. The Rebbe was very adamant, is very adamant, that a Tanya be printed in every possible location. I had occasion recently, my brother was married to, to blessed with a grandson, and the great-grandfather of the child, my great-nephew, lives here locally, <coughs> has a collection of all the printed tanyas in the world. I, I can't guarantee you that everyone is there, I don't know. But he has quite a collection. There's bookcases full of tanyas. I wouldn't even try to throw a number out. Bookcases full of tanyas from all over the world. You may ask, what is the value of that collection? To many, nothing. To some, it's worth the idea, the novelty of having a tanya from everywhere in the world. Each tanya, as it was printed, the Rebbe gave another requirement that the tanya be studied. Some words of that that tanya be learnt in that area where the tanya was printed. And the many different schusen, the many different merits that will rain down on those that study the tanya, those who see to print the tanya in any given parts of the world. We were zeichet to help out to have the Tanya printed in a place called Myanmar today. It was once upon a time called Rangoon, Burma. Um, my wife's fam- family has connection there, roots there, Alkopanam. And also her grandfather, I believe, is buried there, whose yard site was this week as well in Yudchaz. And we had discussed to have a tiny printed, and we have several tinyas of that, that we had imprinted for the Bamitzvah of my son, Rach Mendel. And Baruch Hashem, we were zeicha to partake in it. We obviously didn't cover the whole cost, but we took the bulk of the cost. Um, the study of Tanya many ask, what is it? What is this book different than studying Gemara? What is it different than studying Chavis Halavavis or any other Sifri Musar? Or any other Chassidish Svarim? The Tanya is that Rebbe was sitting in prison. He had a visitor. He had two visitors. 
The visitors were the Balshemtov and the Mazich Magad. Now, obviously, they were no longer in this world at the time, but they came, and according to the story, they came in physically into the room. They stood there physically, and the room itself was a very, very small room. You can still go see it today, and you cannot figure out how three people fit in that room at once. But they came to see the Alter in prison, and the Alter asked, Why am I here? And they told him the decree that's against him because of the spreading of Chassidus, especially, of course, the Tanya. So the Alter asked, So does that mean that I should stop? When I get out, I should stop? Or should I agree to stop so I can get out? To which they said, no, not only that, now that you've started, you need to go stronger and stronger once you get out. With this, of course, he had the reassurance from them that he was getting out. Therefore, when the al did get released, the al did get totally, totally deeper involved in both Sefer Tanya and in all the other my modem, etc., the Kutitera, and then all of the Chassidus that the Altarebbe could see to that the world be educated by. It's not a Sefer Musa. Yet, it's not necessarily a Sefer Kabbalah. We educate people, educate children, we have to educate workers, we have to educate friends sometimes. When one educates somebody, they need a point to get across so that it be accepted and so the person can ride with the point that they're being given. Point in hand is Torah Mitzvah. Learning Torah, studying Torah, and doing mitzvahs. Doing the commandments of God. The Torah, five books of Moses, Kamishi Chum Shetera, gives us the mitzvahs, 613 mitzvahs. We don't necessarily see all 613 mitzvahs, understand how they all work out, how they pan out. And Baruch Hashem along came a few generations later, came the Rambam, and the Rambam has a Sefer HaMitzvah. And in the Sefer HaMitzvah, he enumerates all the Ramach Mitzvah, Sashesh, Samitzvah, Sashesh, 248 Mitzvahs, positive commandments, and 365 negative. Shalom. So we have the 613 Mitzvahs. What's right what else do you want? Zakmadir Savlanut, patience. Hold on, listen here. Slushna. There are ways to do the mitzvahs. There's a thing called kavana, intention. There's a thing called aveda, work service. There was a uh, question asked to many different chefs, big chefs, 
cooked for major, major conglomerates. They always took them for catering, for dinners and everything. And the main question was, do you eat the food you cook? Do you eat it? And most of the chefs said yes. And you were able to tell that that food had a better quality. The ones that said they don't eat their food could have been gorgeous. The presentation was beautiful. The thing was fantastic. It looked amazing. There was something missing. If the chef himself didn't enjoy the food, the food was hard to enjoy. And the same goes with anything, any product that you're trying to sell. When you come in, the salesmen, the olden days, they used to have salesmen, they used to come sell Hold on, it's coming. Amway. <laughs> so the person, the people online know what Amway is. People sitting here have no idea. <coughs> Amway products. Amway had a tremendous year. That's it. Google it, you'll see. Good idea. They had a phenomenal array of different products. And they worked on a pyramid. Ruvain was an Amway distributor. How did he become a distributor? Because originally Ruvain was brought in by a different distributor to sell the Amway products, the soaps and the shampoos, the cleaning products, whatever there was. 1959, how long was it supposed to know that? But it didn't finish in 1959, it started in 1959. And Ruvain sold, and not only sold, but he recruited people to sell for him as well. So it's no small company, hey? <laughs> okay. So the he would recruit people to go sell for him. So now Ruben was selling. He had his customers that were buying by him, ordering by him their Amway products on a monthly basis. <coughs> because you didn't need as much soap as your, your usual soap. For the dishwashing, uh, dishwasher... The Amway product used a tenth of what the regular dishwashing fluid used. Your deodorant, your detergent in your clothing, you didn't have to put that full cup that you used to put from your regular detergent. When you use the Amway detergent, you only have to use a quarter of a cup. I'm just giving examples random. And therefore, it was a product to sell. And so Reuben came and he used to sell to people and then he got people to come and sell and they got so enthusiastic about it that they went to sell Amway as well. And they branched out. Now when Reuben got, he recruited 10 people and each one of his 10 people recruited 10 people. Reuben was now on top of all these people because he was still the distributor to all these underlings. So when the hundred got ten people each, which in turn was now a thousand, and then a hundred, and the ten, it became a tremendous, tremendous thing. And Ruvain makes on every sale that got down from every one of those people. 
The pyramid, exactly. So when the Amway salesman came to your door, there was another company also, Avon. So the, the, the salesman came to, they used to come to the door physically with baskets and stuff and things. Today, there's somebody sell it all online, so it's not so hard. You can get your friends and your customers, you tweet and you, 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 you know, Facebook it, whatever you want to do. And then he used to have to go door to door. So when he came to the first question is, do you use this? In your house, do you use this? And the guy that would say, yes, I use it, and it's amazing, look at my shirt. Yes, it's amazing, smell my socks. It was, look, he showed off the product, showing how great it was. He was a successful salesman. The guy who didn't really use it, but try to sell it, didn't get, he was not convincing. Just wasn't convincing, because after all, practice get like you say. If you're not using it, you're not heart and soul into it. Zakun Stal Terebe in Tanya. Tere and Mitzvah is an essence of our Mitzvah. An essence of our existence. And therefore, by studying Tere and Mitzvah, we literally become elevated. It actually has a real effect on us. And this we see Dafka through the Muda Tanya. We learn in Tanya and we learn about Nefesh Hashanah in Yisrael that second and the first Nefesh that other Nefesh the Nefesh Nefesh Yikis First of all, in Tanya, nothing is referred to negative. Even the Yetzahara, even the Tzadzik Neged, the Klippa, the Altarebbe tries to word always in a way to avoid negativity. And that is the gist of Tanya. That is what a ta- a Tanya actually accomplishes for the person. Where it takes the person to a level, shows the person a way of learning and studying and understanding that the person can reach and achieve to levels that the person never imagined they could. So it comes now to Yutas Kislev, to Chav Kislev. And we are now starting anew the limit of Tanya. Who's better though? This is what we can accomplish. This is what we can achieve with ourselves. Now today's day and age, the 2015, really almost 16. Get a cup of grapefruit juice, please. We can get in any language a shir in Tanya. You can subscribe to Chayenu magazine. You can get a safe a set of svarim called 
lessons in Tanya. You can get in English, in Hebrew, in Spanish, in Russian, whatever language you want, whatever you're fluent in, the Tanya has been translated. Huh? To get audio, there's audio classes of Tanya also. Yeah. Huh? Talking about sleeping. This week's Pasha talks about sleeping. A lot of sleeping going down in this week's Pasha. Namely, huh? Very good. This a hundred sets of two dimes. You're correct. Uh-uh. Sorry? I can't do it online because you texted me. Kids Torah? Yeah. No, that's not the trip, so it's too late now. It's too late now. It's done. It's only Sunday. Um. Yeah. <laughs> has his share of dreams. And we go to the end of the Pasha again with dreams. And we start the next Pasha again with dreams. A lot of sleeping going on. Well, unfortunately, how many people can daydream. <laughs> but daydreams are not so elaborate. When Yasef interprets Pari's dream, he says how they're going to become into fruition very quickly. Chaskuni asks, Kuni asks, the dreams of Yasef themselves also he translated to place, but it took 22 years later until they came into fruition. The Rivo, the Rashbam also have the question, and there's many different answers as to what took so long, what tardied so for Yasef's dreams to come into fruition. The simplest explanation, the two dreams of Pare reflected the same story. We had the same thing in essence. So the fact that it repeated itself about the seven good years and the seven bad years, that's what showed that it was going to happen right away. When it comes to the dreams of Yasef, they had two different things. In the first dream, 
these stalks were bowing down to his stalks. That means that the, the tribes, only the Shvatim will come to bow to Yosef. In the second dream, then, the stars and the moon and everything else <coughs> bowed to him. So that showed that more than just the Shvatim, that everybody would come to bow to him. And therefore that meant also Yaakov and Bilah and Leah. So therefore we find that the dream didn't happen actually twice. It wasn't the same dream. It was two different dreams. And therefore there was no reason to say that they were going to happen. The dreams came into fruition right away. We have an interesting story that goes down this week. Yosef sent to take his brothers, to bring home his brothers. Yosef knew this is not a happening thing. This is not going to be pleasant. He knew that his brothers didn't have any great love for him. He knew he was going to have problems here with this. But he had no qualms his father asked him to do something. He was jumping, he was going to do it. We know the story. He comes to his brothers and they beat the snot out of him. They take his shirt away and they tear it and they burn it up into blood and they dip it in the blood of, a, of an animal that has similar blood to human blood, etc., etc. The Ruvain says, No, 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 no. No killing the kid throw him into the ditch and I'll get back and we'll deal with it we all know that until Ruben got back Yosef was sold and Ruben who was constantly thinking how to save Yosef because he realized it doesn't reflect good on him the fact that he was a Becher Ruben, he's the firstborn, but yet Yosef was given the, the everything for Becheris. So the first, he was the, he had the biggest motto, the biggest uh, motive to hurt Yosef. And he obviously, and he had no intention to do so anyway. So he wanted to save Yosef. And when he returns and finds that he did not save Yosef, indeed he sold him, his battle cry was, Ani, Ona Anibo. Where am I going to be now? What am I now? There's a famous story, I think I've told it before, of uh, back in Baghdad, I think it was. There was a big veer, his name was Avram Pinchas. To be relative, yes. No. Okay, the Pinchas, I don't And Avram Pinchas was a very, very big, very, very wealthy fellow. And he lived the, 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 the life. He walked the walk, talked the talk of a gvir. And he, on Shabbos, he used to have a big table full, full of guests. There was one particular Shabbos, only one guest came. There was only one guest in town, so he invited him in from the shul. He invited him in. The guest sits down Friday night to the meal. 
and he's blown away by the splendor that's going on around here. The lights, the walls, the dishes, the, the tablecloths, the tables, the furniture, the chairs. It was just the average snorer that travels from town to town never gets to see something of such great... Even if they get invited as guests to people's houses. But how rarely do you end up in a house that looks like this. With all the tremendous riches that were going on, all the tremendous riches that were there, there was in the middle of the table a broken bottle. It looked like a bottle that could be used for olive oil. A broken bottle sitting under the table. This caught the guy's eye. He was mesmerized by this. He could, what is this? But he's not going to ask his host. But it didn't take a few seconds for the host to notice how this guy was mesmerized by the bottle. And he says to him, you want to know what that bottle is? I'll tell you. So I was a very little boy. And my father started doing business. And he was doing very well in business. Doing very well in business, someone had to look after me, because he was out running around doing business. So my grandfather would look after me. I was a little boy. My father was always traveling. I'd wake up in the morning, my grandfather would wash my hands in the tila. He would say, Modani with me. And he would there, so take... And he would send me off to, he'd prepare me something to eat, and he'd send me off to study. But before I left the house, he would always say, Ani Ananiba. And I didn't even know what that meant. Ani Ananiba. Nothing. But yeah, I started learning Chumash. And I learned the Pasha, I learned the Ruvain's calling out, Ani Ananiba. And I, now will I, where will I be? I had no idea what my grandfather was referring to that. But this is his way of sending me off every day. I was quite a young boy, probably just about my mitzvah, he says, when tragedy struck and my grandfather suddenly passed away. And I, 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 where am I going? I don't know. So my father had to take me with him to work. He tried to daven with me, he tried to learn with me a little bit and everything. wasn't very greatly successful. But I got to hear. I picked up all the lingo and the business and all the things that were going on. And about two years later, suddenly my father died. And here I am, stuck. No mother, no father, no grandfather. So the lawyers came and they said, listen here, Kim, little, you're a little boy, 15, 16 years old. What do you know about such a business? We'll sell the business for you. And you'll take the money, you'll save the money till you get older. You'll live a little bit off it. It's worth a lot of money. And then, you get older, maybe you'll go into business yourself. Or, <laughs> you could try your luck. Try to run the business yourself. 
and see what you do with it. Either you'll succeed or you'll run into the ground. That's all. He says, you know what? I'll take my chances. I'm going to do the business. I took to the business like a fish to water. It was a natural for me. I don't know why. And the business was flourishing. And I was doing big deals. But then I felt uncomfortable. The people I was doing the deals with were secular people. Who wore yarmulke, tzitzis, payas? It didn't fit. So I discarded everything. And then it turned out that it, there were meetings that were fartogs, early, early morning. Who had time for film? Then I found out that the main connections, the people you really want to meet, come to town over the weekend. On Shabbos, on Sunday. There went my Shabbos. Dervayla, I was doing very, very well. I was making a lot, a lot of money. One day, walking in the street, I see a little Yiddish ingala, little Yiddish boy sitting there crying, bawling. The clothes are tattered. And I said, what's the matter, young boy? And the boy looks at me and says, you'll never understand, only a Jew would understand. Excuse me, my young man. I'm Jewish. I even studied Gemara. So, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to insult you, but, but yeah, obviously you don't look Jewish. So, he said, okay, then I'll tell you my problem. He says, my father died a few months ago. My mother's left to fend for us, to feed us, to do earn the money to give us food and everything. She honestly tries very hard, but unfortunately we're a bunch of little children. It's not, it doesn't work. It's not happening. Now Hanukkah is starting soon. And my mother found a little manure that we can make use of, but we have no oil. So we all looked through the house and my sister found a coin. She found a coin and my mother gave me the coin and said, okay, go buy oil. And I ran to the shop, and lo and behold, the man was there in the shop, he was ready, ready to close, and I bought a flask of olive oil. I was so excited. I was so happy. And I took this flask of oil, and I was holding it, hugging it, and I started to walk home, and I couldn't get home fast enough because I want to light this manera. I want to show, I want to do, and I want my mother to be happy. And so I started to run. I ran and I tripped. And the bottle broke. And here it is on the floor, smashed. Terrible. You know what? The man took out of his pocket. The man's telling the story. I took out of my pocket a lot of money. I gave it to the boy and I said, Yingala, go. Go back to the store, knock on his window, tell him I sent you and that you need to buy oil again. And buy whatever you need for Hanukkah. And buy everything for the house. 
I took that broken shard of glass, I took it home with me. I sat down in the house, I immediately dismissed my servants for eight days. It's Hanukkah tonight. It's Hanukkah. And I sat there looking and staring into the middle, into the, I don't know where. Finally, I said, you know what? I'm a Jew. My neshama is a neshama. My soul is a soul. It might have been tainted. It might have been punished or banished or whatever. But it's not destroyed. It's still within me. That Jewish spark still exists. And so I took out a menorah. And I put oil in the first candle. And I lit the menorah. And sitting by that menorah. Me and the Hanukkah light. I started to get so inspired that I said, you know what? Hanukkah is not the only mitzvah in the world. A very important mitzvah is tefillin. Tomorrow morning I'm putting on tefillin. And I did. And the next night I lit two and I was sitting looking at the two lights and I said, you know what? Tefillin is a beautiful mitzvah but I have to keep kashas. And every night of Hanukkah brought me closer to another mitzvah until I realized that this is the way of life, this is our existence. And therefore I became totally from again. So I owe what I am today to this broken bottle. So therefore, no matter what I sit, no matter how much I'm enjoying, I need this broken bottle to remind me where I was, where I came from, and what I have to do. Similarly, the Pasuk tells us that Yosef was thrown into the ditch. And the famous line, the, the ditch was empty and there was no water. And Rashi quotes the Gemara and Shabbos for those who are keeping score at home, the famous sugya of Mai Chanukah, Shabbos, Chav Beis, Amir Aleph, And Rashi quotes, There was no water, but there were snakes and scorpions. Wow. Wow. Extreme. The Yamada tells us, if you keep me scored on Baba Kama, page 17, side 1. There's no thing, nothing of substance sustaining us that's called water except for Torah. Torah is the water that keeps us and gives us life. So therefore we can see the same thing in this Pasuk. If a person chas v'sholem is ein mayim, if Rachmanel it's not a person is in a situation where there is no water, and his mind is totally preoccupied with every stupidity in the world. And it's not delving into Teda and to the service to God. Then the Teda tells us, He's full with Klippa and Sitra So Mayim has to be there. 
The Mayim of Tera needs to fill the person's essence. When a person involves themselves in different issues, even in things that you're allowed to, business dealings or anything, the person may never be Masiyah Das Chas may never cut off his mind totally from the study of Tera, from the service of God. Because once the person does that in Ein Mayim, he allows the Choshen Vakram. That idle mind is the devil's playground, as my mother really tells us. The Baal Shem Tev is quoted in Savas Rivash, which Savas Rivash is according to some, a safer from the Baal Shem Tev. When it says in the Teda, Visartem Vavadatem, you will turn away and you will serve Elohim Achenim. When a person is mafrid himself from Akarish Baruch of Mashemis Baruch, immediately he is serving Avedizara. There is no intermediate, there is no middle line, there is no Pshara. Um, negotiation there's no room for negotiation here it's either you're learning Tera or you're serving Avedizara either your mind is occupied in Tera or it's occupied God forbid in something much worse and then we see another story in the Pasha the famous story of Yehuda who his sons marry first son marries a beautiful, beautiful woman, and the horrific sin that he commits. He commits a horrific sin, and God kills him for it. His brother, in turn, marries the wife, because so the terror deems it, that a person, is, he tells his son, next son, bring the your brother's life, name and life, continuation, give it a continuity, and so the brother marries the wife and again the brother commits the same sin and he too dies. At which point he banishes the wife, he doesn't let her marry the third son. And he banishes her to a city called Timna to her parents. And the Pasik says that word was sent to Tamar to this widow your father-in-law is coming up to Timna. Now, if we learn Tera, and we look into the stories of Tera, we know the famous story of Shimshon Agibar. Shimshon Agibar also visited Timna. But if we look over there, the Pasuk says, He went down to Timna. Shimshin went down, Yehuda went up. Where was Timna? In a valley on top of a mountain. Elamai says Rashi, simply, It actually finds itself on the incline. In the middle of the mountain. from here on the mountain point you go up to Timna and here you go down 
What lesson do we have from Yehuda? Eile Timnasa, going up to Timna. When a person goes mountain climbing, they know they need to reach the top. They need to get to the peak of the mountain. So once you start climbing, you can't stop. You stop, you're dangling in the middle of the area, you're falling down the mountain. You need to persevere and keep going. On a, especially on a steep mountain. You can't just stand in the middle and wave. Or take a selfie. It's dangerous. And the same thing also, when a person serves God. It's a miyale bahar Hashem. Who is going up onto the mountain of God? A person cannot suffice himself with his situation to rest and to sit on his laurels and say, I've done mine for today. Because a person is constantly on the slope of the mountain. And the person knows, uh, needs to know that if Chas Shalom, they're not striving to get higher and higher on the mountain, then Chas Shalom, they're falling on the mountain. And this is what the Pasuk hints when it comes to Timna. The fact that it was on a slope of a mountain. It doesn't say Yeshiva Vamida. It doesn't say you settled it. It just says either you went up or you went down to Timna. Because Amida, in the standing in its place, is automatically going down. There's no such thing as a situation of a person being able to stand steadfast and say, I've done what I have to do. A person always needs to feel. They need to strive. They need to work harder to get further and to get higher. And so with the schus, unfortunately I don't see us getting to many different halachas of Hanukkah, unfortunately. Um, but Hanukkah again, as we said, starts on Sunday evening. And the Hanukkah Meneda, unlike the Meneda in the Besamikdash, is lit where the people should see it on the outside. Unlike the Meneda, which is lit in the morning in Besamikdash, is lit by the evening time, as we said. It can be lit, it may be lit from Plaga Mincha on, but it needs to burn until say, it's Kechavim, so therefore enough oil should be applied. Unless, of course, you light those who have a custom to Dafkadav Meir before, before Meneda. The main thing, of course, don't forget, is the latkes. No, not the latkes. The calories, yes, terrible. Donuts. The donuts. The main thing is the Hanukkah guilt. Sure. Don't forget to give Hanukkah guilt. Every night the Rebbe says is a mitzvah to give Hanukkah guilt to the children for Chinuch, and on the fifth night to give extra. Ooh, so I'll send anyone who needs my address for sending Hanukkah guilt. Please see me after this year, and. The main thing is that this Hanukkah should be a light of Mashiach and the entire world should be illuminated and so that we should be able to go this Shabbos to Mashiach Tzidkenu Mishalayim Rakedesh Shabbat Shalom to all.